We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This week's episode is brought to you by The Cookie Shop. Ladies and folks with a cookie, wouldn't you like to enjoy a Yoni Steam in the comfort of your own home? I know I would. Yoni Steams have so many benefits. It cleanses, it detoxifies your cookie, it helps regulate your cycle, decreases menstrual craps, increases libido, helps with PCOS, endometriosis, and so much more. This is self-care season. And what better way to take care of yourself than taking care of your cookie? On her website, there is a plethora of Yoni Steams. How would you do a Yoni Steam at home, you ask? My girl got you covered with a Yoni seat. Everything you need. Check her out at thecookieshop.us. Find her on Instagram at the underscore cookie shop underscore and use the code SWK to get 35% off your order. Take care of yourself and your cookie. Okay, y'all, it is gift giving season and you love your folks like I love mine. You want them to stay safe and look cute. That's why I am in love with Dawn's gift set. Dawn started her business in 2019 and it was just a seasonal side hustle to make a little extra money. Her high quality basket items, gorgeous designs helped her to expand. Now, my girl, she is from Detroit, and Detroit is known as one of America's most dangerous cities. So it was natural for her to add self-defense items into her inventory, and she has sold them all over the United States. Dawn has cute and fashionable non-lethal protection items such as self-defense keychains, stun guns, and disguise knives. The hottest item right now is the defensive wristlets. Dawn's wristlets come in every single color. Taz and I both got them in red. They are dozens of prints and patterns to choose from. It's almost a hundred different ones to choose from and still dozens of styles get added almost weekly. These wristlets are portable wearable protection on your arm for just in case. The standard wristlet comes with pepper spray, personal alarm, a window breaker, and to make it cute, and to make it cute, Dawn added a color-coordinated pom-pom and an inspirational charm and lip gloss or chapstick. If you want something with a little more power, you can check out her wristlets with brass knuckles, key knives, and stun guns attached. You can definitely defend yourself without being a killer. Check her out at dawnsgiftset.com and use the code SWK to get 20% off your purchase. Shopping with Dawn's is more than supporting a small business. It's joining a family. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. 
and welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Okay, everybody really enjoyed last week's episode. And in our discussion group, um, the question was brought up about nature versus nurture when it comes to our murderesses. And last week's case was a very good example of it. But this week's case, oh, it is going to take you for a whirlwind. this week are Deputy Clinton A. Lewis Jr. This is the first husband. James Robert Shepard, known as Jimmy. This is our first victim. Air Force Sergeant Perry Jennings Jr., but everybody called him PJ. He was our second victim. And Kiana Barnes, our murderess. Kiana Barnes was born in November of 1979 in New Orleans and had a wealthy upbringing. Her dad was former military and worked at the cable company, and her mom was a children's book author. And she grew up without any wants. She was in private school, and she loved school. She was very smart, and she was beautiful and had big dreams of growing up and, you know, being successful. She wanted to be a model and be famous until she was a teenager and... Her parents were like, you know, we really think you're kind of getting into the wrong crowd. You need to choose better friends. You're the company that you keep. And she wasn't trying to hear all that. So she decided that she was going to start to run away and do what she wanted to do. She was couch hopping with friend to friend. And in 1955, at the age of 16, she left her private school and transferred to a public school. And it was kind of bad and wasn't the best school you go to, especially not after transferring from a private school. Right. And she didn't transfer herself. I mean, like she did transfer and she did transfer herself. Her parents didn't transfer her. Like, I don't know how you do that, but basically living emancipated she, without officially being emancipated. Without officially. Mm, okay. It's possible. But she still graduated two years later on time with a diploma. And in 1977, at the age of state. At the age of 18, she needed some money, you know? It's not like she can just kick it at her parents' house after she done lived wherever the fuck she wanted through high school. So she started stripping to make money. And she was in Louisiana, so she was stripping on Bourbon Street, and you know it's lit down there. So she had somehow managed to survive couch hopping and stripping for about two years. And then one night while she was up there shaking ass, she met the sheriff's deputy, Clinton A. Lewis Jr. Who Lord knows if I knew how to shake my ass, I would be on a pole. But <laughs> they all anyways, say it's harder than you think. I, I'm sure it is because I have tried. Anyways, Deputy Clinton A. Lewis Jr. was like, listen, 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 Shadi, you don't have to strip on the pole. What you need to do, come on down from the pole, live with me. You can leave that stripping shit alone. And she was like, okay, yes, daddy. And she stopped stripping and she was like, okay, let's give this relationship a go. They were together for a year. And then in 1999, they got married and Kiana became a wife. 
very young. Don't know why we keep having these reoccurring things of people getting married very young. But while she was a wife, you know, she was doing her cooking, her cleaning. Yes, I do the cooking. Yes, I do the cleaning. She was doing the checkbook. She was taking care of the household. But all of a sudden, it seemed like there was a lot of tension between the couple. I mean, they started getting into arguments where the neighbors were calling the police multiple people were calling the police these domestic issues were like really starting to flare up one time when they were arguing like you know he's an officer so he has his work gun but he also has his personal gun and he keeps his personal gun you know near the bedside table she pulls out the gun on him and points it at him he wrestles the gun like grab lunges at her grabs you know he's a police officer so he's trained to do that lunges at her grabs her she shoots in the air they're wrestling the gun away she ends up shooting at him six times total he didn't get shot he said that they were living in like a like a, a one-bedroom or i guess studio not shooting t- at him but pulling the trigger as they wrestled it, with the gun six shots right. rang out in a small one-bedroom studio-ish apartment and he did not get hit so he was like this is getting crazier and crazier by the second and this is not going to last long so in 2001 Clinton was like okay we got to get a divorce he filed for divorce and Kiana she's 21 now and she's moved out but they were still fucking a little one and divorced I still look back at the person that I wanted to marry at 21. Like, God, Lee, I'd probably be in prison. (laughs) Jesus. So she moved out, but they were still fucking on the side. But their domestic disputes, you know, every time the police call, if there's a police report, if something happens, you know, that goes back to the station where he works. So he's not getting promotions at work. And that ain't good because how is he going to continue to make money? So... The situation between them, the relationship between them, he finally completely severed ties. And Kiana, you know, she was living on the streets, but she wasn't too mad about the severed ties because she found herself a new man. So while she was begging on the streets, because if she wasn't sleeping in his bed, she was on the streets begging. Uh, while she was begging on the streets, she met Air Force Sergeant Perry Jennings Jr., but everybody calls him PJ. Like PJ is the type of person that was sweet. He was smiling. He was stable. He had a pretty uneventful childhood. He enlisted into the military right after high school and he wanted to see the world and he wanted to meet different people. And people said that he was just really like that big brother figure in every group that you go in. Like he's that big, like everybody wants to give him a hug and tell them about his day or cry to him. Like he was that person that was like that for everybody. And, you know, while he was in New Orleans, he was in y'all gonna. I should have looked up how to fucking pronounce this shit. I be writing shit, y'all, and then I realize that I have to say it out loud when I'm recording. Best guess, Algiers. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the Air Force, and he was in Algiers, New Orleans. Y'all gonna come for me, which is a neighborhood across from the French Quarter, and that's how he met Kiana. You know, she was like, "Hey, can you can you spare a little change?" And he was like. I ain't got no cash, but, you know, I'll buy you a meal. And so they kicked it off like that. Um, he introduced her to his brother and he was telling his brother, you know, she's someone she needs a little help. And, you know, she was in a marriage. She told me she was getting abused in her marriage. And I just, you know, I'm trying to help her out. Look at her. She's a pretty girl. And they, were, they said, you know, his friends were like, yeah, she was pretty, but she sure was looking like 
she he picked up a stray puppy off the street like mangle she was looking crazy but throughout this entire time he was allowing her to sleep on his couch so she had a roof over her head Kiana was just fine sleeping on PJ's couch, but PJ's girlfriend was not, okay? And she was like, don't know how long you plan on keeping this girl living on your couch or whatever, but you got to end that shit or whatever. So Kiana had to get to scooting, and that's when she meets Jimmy, right? So... It's March of 2002, and Kiana's at a truck stop with a broken-down car, and she sees this 41-year-old white guy with a mustache and a cul-de-sac at the top of his head and offered to fix the car, but only in the morning. And in the meantime, she could spend a night on his couch and then leave in the morning, right? Uh, This guy, of course, was James Jimmy Robert Shepard, and he lived in an Irish bayou in a trailer park. He was rough around the edges, but was a nice guy at the center and Kiana agreed to sleep on Jimmy's couch while he, Sounds put, like a setup. while he fixed her car. Mm, screaming red flags, but oh, let me fix your car. It'll take a while, but you can sleep on my couch. Like, no, but she needed it, so whatever. Um, It took Jimmy longer than a day to fix the car and the longer it took, the longer she stayed on his couch and eventually she made her way to his bed. It took Jimmy a total of two weeks to fix the car, and he was fixing in the day and fucking the night, all right? So after the car got fixed, she was like, you know, I can just stay. I don't have nowhere else to go. I'm couch hopping anyways. If you want to keep doing what we're doing, we can keep making it do what it do. Oh, like, that's that's creepy behavior. But also... You living on the streets and where you gonna go? Or survival behavior. It's creepy behavior for him. Oh, yeah. But definitely, but the re... I'm sure she could have figured something else out, but survival definitely for her. Yeah. And this arrangement, it was perfect for her. Like, she loved it. She didn't have to worry about where she was gonna sleep at night. It, she didn't have no issues with it. But... And when I tell y'all this man is not attractive, <clears throat> he looks like he looks like a 40-year-old white male cartoon character. I'm weak at you saying there was a cul-de-sac in his head. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. And but then we get to April 2nd, 2002. Around 6 a.m., Jimmy's co-worker goes to pick him up for work, and he doesn't answer the door. So he goes inside, and he, he finds Jimmy's body on the floor stabbed somewhere between 17 and 27 times. We've had articles say 17, but his brother said 27, and then another article said many. So, a lot. And he was just left to die on the floor of his trailer. The knife stabs were deep, like they went all the way through each time. He was stabbed in his neck, his arm, his back, bloody defensive wounds all over his hands. And there was just so much blood in the carpet and the house that it looked like there had had to been a struggle. So when the detectives started detectiving, they were told they were told by his friends and family about this petite black girl named Kiana Barnes. And they were like, "Mm, you probably should talk to her because she was staying with Jimmy before he died. And so if somebody knew it, it would be them. And then also when the police had Jimmy's brother show up, they didn't even know Jimmy's car was gone. And 
they were like, oh, his car is gone. And Jimmy's like, Jimmy's brother is like, uh, yeah, his van is missing. So they go searching for it. And Jimmy's brother went and found the van. And it was in front of a car wash a few blocks away from this battered women's shelter. And this is like a big van. He's it's a small area that she's in. And his van is like one of those van lifer vans, the older ones, not the spinner vans. And it's red. Like, bitch, we gonna see the car. We're going to see the van. And Mm -hmm. it was parked a couple of blocks away from this battered women's shelter. And they were like, "Okay, so let's check this battered women's shelter. So they go and lo and behold, Kiana's there. So the gang of brothers call the police. The police show up. They find Kiana at the shelter. They brought her down to the police station because obviously they had a few questions. And she's like, she said, well, Jimmy and I were drinking beer in the trailer the night before but we had gotten into an argument and he tried to rape me and he tried to attack me and I I stabbed him I I did I stabbed him but it was in self-defense and I was I was just so shocked that I had stabbed him and I, I, I so I left I left in this van and I, I abandoned it a few blocks away and I b- walked to this battered women's shelter and I I'm a victim of abuse here Hmm. That's pretty strategic going to the battered women's shelter, huh? Hmm. Um, but the police are not buying it, right? They're like, first of all, before you went to the battered women's shelter, you used his credit card to stop at the liquor store, okay? Doesn't sound very battered to me. She was stressed. She needed a drink. I was going to say, if I stole somebody's cash, I'd probably be like, I'm buying weed. Yeah, something untraceable. So they're like, we're not buying it. You're under arrest, like we're taking you to the station, right? But after 60 days, Kiana Barnes was released from jail. How did this happen? In Louisiana, if you're arrested, the district attorney, if you are arrested for a felony charge, the district attorney has 60 days to charge you and arraign you. If it's not a felony, it's 45 days. They have to formally charge you with the felony. And if they don't, then you're able to be released. Yeah, because jail, you can't just be, right? I mean, I get the rule, because you, you can't just be holding jail niggas in there without no charge. So there's a, a limit on how long you can keep them there. And she sat there for 60 days and nobody ever pressed charges from her. And it wasn't for lack of evidence or anything. It just fell through the cracks. And she didn't have some lawyer fighting for her who got her off on a, like... They was just like, damn, your 60 days is up. We got to let you go. And she was able to walk out of jail. I know his family was pissed. She already confessed to killing him. She's like, yeah, I did it. She called it self-defense or whatever. But everybody knows she did it. And then it's she just walks out of jail for for no reason. No, you can't give me an explanation except for you never charged her as she sat with you. For two months, these people at the Louisiana office, they're like, they're, they're feeling like fuck ups, you know? How do you not after this type of mistake for somebody who's obviously committed murder, right? But it's too late. They had to let her go. And she was off to find a new boo because she needed some place to live. So she began couch hopping again for almost a year until she reconnected with her old fling, PJ. She remembered, you know, PJ told her way back when you know i'll be there for you if you need anything she like we said took him up on that offer 
So once again, she's sleeping on the couch. And again, they were just friends. PJ didn't want anything romantic. He was really just trying to help her out. But she didn't feel the same way. She wanted him to be her man. She had very strong feelings for him. And I feel I wasn't there, but I feel like sis made it abundantly clear that she didn't want to sleep on the couch no more. She wanted to get up in the master bedroom. They still made it clear that he wanted to be just friends. And it was all fine. And it was, you know, they were helping each other. He was helping her out as much as he could. He was that type of guy. And with helping her out, she was around his friend group. You know, she she was around his people and they... I think one of his friends was like, you know, I mean, we spoke to her. We weren't rude. You know, we we were cordial to her. Friends, right. Like cool. she he said he he said she helping her out. I guess, you know, I hey. she, she seemed to at least be trying to get her life together. And she seemed kind of happy. Now, PJ's dad was feeling kind of turned off by the relationship that they had going on. Um, why is this lady always sleeping on your couch? What she got going on? And she ain't never got her shit together. You know, just. You know, you can't help everybody. You know what I mean? So he was like, you know, you can find anything on the Internet these days. And so he was like, at least we're going to know who this girl is that's sleeping on my son's couch. And so he Googles her name and sees that she's wanted for the second degree murder of Jimmy. And his dad is like, oh, my God, I got to go tell PJ who he got living in his house. And. He's like, boy, you know about this girl? He's like, what you mean? He was like, this girl wanted for second degree murder. And PJ was like, oh, that? Yeah, I knew about that. He was like, what you mean you knew about that? He was like, I mean, she told me, but she was like a self-defense type of thing. You know, I'm trying to convince her to turn herself in. It's a process, right? And that's like, nah, nigga, you tripping. You need to get this girl up out your house. PJ's like, listen, I'm talking to her. I really think I can get her to turn herself in. You know, maybe help her get a lawyer or whatever. Just trying to help her get her life together so she can be happy and live in peace, you know? Stand-up guy, right? So, all of a sudden, it's March 27, 2003, right? And... PJ's family haven't heard from him in like a day or two. And they're like, for PJ, this this weird. Like, I don't need to wait a week. I don't need to wait, whatever, whatever. He would have talked to me by now. He would have talked to me, like the mom, the dad, the brother. Somebody would have heard from him by now, right? So his mom goes to go check on him. And she goes to his apartment. She's knocking at the door or whatever. And nobody answers. And she doesn't have a key to this place. So she goes to the apartment manager. She says, listen, I'm worried about my son. I haven't heard from him. Could you just go into his apartment and see if he's in there? Just let me know. Nobody's answering the door. And the apartment manager is like, Okay, I can go up there. The apartment manager. That's a mama intuition. And she just because knew. his car wasn't out there. I feel like the first thing that, you, as you know, you would have looked for his vehicle. His car wasn't there. Maybe not. That's so. Mama's be knowing. The apartment manager enters the apartment. He looks around. And he comes out and he says, "Ma'am, you need to call nine one one." Which I know her heart just sank. Like what? That's not what you were supposed to say. So 911 gets a call and it's PJ's mom on the phone crying, saying that her son is dead in his own bed. Mm, 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 mm. 30-year-old PJ was shot in the head one single time while he lay tucked in bed in his boxers. There was nothing disturbed, only PJ lying dead. But next to him, there was a pillow 
with blood on one side and a burn mark that created a hole on the other. So, you know, y'all know what that means, that whoever shot PJ used the pillow to muffle the sound of the gun going off. If it was a robbery, they were like, "Ah, why would this have happened? If it was a robbery, you know, maybe they would have taken the weapons or the little weed he had on here like his weed is still there they only he only had like six he had six grams of weed like he didn't have a lot of weed on him (laughs) his brother said no he ain't no drug dealer yeah his he stood up for his brother on on that snap he said my brother worked hard for everything he had that little bit of get the fuck out of here with that little bit of weed like come on don't even do that he's in he was worked hard okay so when detectives got to PJ's family, they asked him questions and the police um, were told by his family, you know what, who y'all need to check out? Y'all need to check out Kiana Barnes because something is going on with her. The police are like, Kiana Barnes? Like, is that his girlfriend? Like, who who is this to, to him? And they're like, mm, no, not his girlfriend. They were like, okay, did they have some type of sexual relationship? You know, it's a man and a woman and y'all saying that she in the house. And they're like, no, she just be in the house sleeping on the couch. Like, she's just kind of there. She be around. Maybe y'all should really check in on her and see what happens. So his dad comes to the crime scene to look around his house and see everything that was missing because initially the police thought that there was nothing missing at all. So his dad gets to the scene and they're like, he's like, okay, everything seems to be in place, but you know what's missing? I mean, obviously his car, right? Right. We know that his guns missing and his credit cards are missing. And the police are like, hmm, OK, maybe it is her. The cops are like, uh, do you know what kind of gun he has? He's like, ah, it's some type of automatic or some type of I don't know. So they have a database where you, you y'all know there's a database where you register if you're a registered gun owner. And so they were able to see exactly what gun he had. It turns out the casing that was found there matched his gun. He was killed by his own gun in his bed as he lay tucked fast asleep. Like he was really tucked in. Like he wasn't sleeping and then woken up. He was legit knocked out cold, dreaming in bed. He was probably like, he was dream. He was like, mm-hmm. you know how mm-hmm. when you get real comfortable and you just like tuck yourself in, you make yourself a burrito. When it's time for bed, I don't care how mm-hmm. grown you are, you turn into a four year old. Tuck me in by your own weapon. That's that always gives an extra little umph of hurt. The detectives are they do a name check on Kiana Barnes, and even though I feel like his daddy could have told them, but they found out that oh, she's wanted for second degree murder already for Jimmy, and they're like, okay. We need to find these credit cards. We need to figure out where she's going. And so the police are like, okay, we need to find out where she is, where she's going, what she's doing. Get these cards under control. How are we going to catch this woman? We know kill two men is suspected. Okay, legally is suspected of killing two men. But they were like, ah, instead of canceling her, his instead of canceling his credit cards, let's watch her. Let's track her and let's see where she's going. It seems like she really needs this money, obviously. So let's just follow the money trail. Swiping PJ's visa cards all over the place from New Orleans to Houston to Rio Grande on her way to Mexico. It's everywhere, right? She buys three different color hair dyes. She's changing her appearance as she's slipping across the states, going into a disappearance or at least trying to, right? A few days later, they find PJ's car close to the border. And they're like... Damn, she must have got to the other side. And she did, right? So 
New Orleans police is like, oh, fuck, we're going to have to contact the U.S. Marshals and get them involved because if she gets any deeper into Mexico, we've lost her for good, right? So it was a good call getting the Marshals done because once they get there, it does not take them long to track Kiana down because she's still using PJ's credit cards. And she's wiring money from PJ's account to her account. Like, easy paper trail. They find... It says it literally oh, on the receipt. Say? I was like, "Payer Perry, pay Kiana." <laughs> so yeah, of course it didn't take them long to track them down, and they find her at a remote mountain town in Mexico City in a Roach Motel. Like she, she, she was really trying to get to hiding, but she just left a trail everywhere she went. So on April 30th, 2003, the U.S. Marshals raided the room she was sleeping in and surprised her and arrested her for both murders and flew her via Con Air back to the United States. Mm, 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 mm. I don't know how much y'all know about Con Air, but Con Air is the justice prisoner and alien transportation system. So this system has been around since 1995 and it it transports federal prisoners around the country. But what you don't know and is very important to this story is they don't fly at night. And when they're being flown, the prisoners are handcuffed, shackled and shackled to their seats. If they need to use the restroom, they must pee with the door open. And these high risk prisoners, which Kiana at this point is a high risk prisoner, they have their hands cuffed in a box in front of them the entire ride. They said her fingers are too slick. She she just be slipping through. So they have her handcuffed in a box in front of her. And this transportation can take like forever, days or months. And the reason why is because these flights don't cover more than 200 to 300 miles at a time. You can go where I'm sitting in Georgia. I can travel 200 miles and still be in the state of Georgia. I would be, you know, on the outskirts, but that's not a lot of travel. So these plane rides could literally take eons. I feel like there's a way to spend money better. I feel like there's a more humane and inexpensive way to do this. <laughs> we can brainstorm on that later. So after this inhumane plane ride, and as soon, I'm telling you, the plane came in on the the, tra- the, the, tar- the tarmac, the, the runway. And when that plane arrived, there were three different law enforcement agencies. They had their rifles out like something that you would see in an old military movie they were literally lined up on the runway and they were like they were Mm -hmm. dealing with like Mm -hmm. bin laden coming through you know what i'm saying like they they were ready for any fucking sudden move that she made when she got off that plane she's handcuffed she's shackled and she's looking fucking unbothered she strolls off the plane and she was asking them she's like why are y'all here like (laughs) What are y'all doing here? Later, when she got to the station, they were like, okay, puts the tape recorder down. Let's get to talking. And she said, um, she ain't got nothing to say. And she was like, listen, I'm not going to jail. I'm not, I'm not going to be in jail for long. So there's no need for me to take this seriously. They questioned her and they asked her why she killed both men. She said, I killed Jimmy in self-defense. He was going to rape me. Then it's like she knew that they thought the murder was going to be calculated because they're like, 
okay? He was already trying to convince you to turn yourself in and you ain't want to go back to jail or you're jealous of the girlfriend or mad that you won't let him sleep. So, you know, we've got a whole lot of motive. You know what I mean? He even had a kid with somebody else and more fueled jealousy could be possibly right. They got some different angles that they can work with, right? And they've got some motives that they can build off of. But most importantly, they had a confession, so they charged her, and they made sure that she was arraigned within 60 days this time. <laughs> so, Kiana sat there in jail waiting for her trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. Now, if you remember from the beginning of this story, Kiana left home pretty early. She wanted to run away. She wanted to do her own thing. So she was pretty estranged from her family. But boy, when they saw her on the news and saw that she was in trouble for murder, they flocked to her. And they, like we said before, she came from a very well-known, well-to-do, money family. She was facing the death penalty. They got her the best lawyer. They were like, listen, if we pay for the best of the best, we'll just get her sentence, her long sentence reduced. Maybe we'll just get her off. But, you know, money can... Y'all know, y'all been here. Money can buy you anything. It don't matter what your crime is if you got cash. And Kiana had a secret weapon, that cash in the bank. So Kiana's attorneys, they talked to the prosecutor and she was facing life in prison. But for some re- for somehow, they all sat in a room, the prosecutors and, the, and her lawyers, and they came up with a plea deal. Now, the families weren't aware of the plea deal, that the option of a plea deal was on the table. But... That is what expensive lawyers do, ladies and gentlemen. No one knows what was said in the room. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. So they get out of the room. They come up with this plea deal. And the plea deal is this. Kiana will plead guilty to the lesser charge of two counts of manslaughter. And she will be sentenced to seven to 25 years in prison with the possibility of parole after only three and a half years. Obviously, this plea was absolutely bonkers. It pissed off everyone. Neither of the families, like I said, neither of the families knew about it. It just was slapped in front of them and they were furious. They were livid. Like three years for shooting somebody, three years for killing two people. And I mean, y'all spent a lot of three years. Y'all you know what money had to she must her family must have paid for that plane ride or something like something like the family must have decided that they were going to pay back the government bit they put out they must have have a <laughs> lot of money yeah when they said when i watched it and they said three years i guess because i was like how like a whole pearl clutch kiana was carefree and seemed kind of unremorseful at the trial She even looked PJ's brother in the face, according to him, and laughed during the trial. Like, imagine you sitting there testifying and your own brother and the person who killed him laughs in the middle of it. I jump over that damn pew. I ain't even gonna hold you. Reminds me of that clip of that judge. Judge, I think her name was Kiana. She was ruling on a drunk driver case. 
and people were laughing in the back. She was like, you think this is funny? Mm-mm, y'all in contempt. Not today. Not in courtroom 502. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This family over here grieving. You want to laugh? That's, uh... I saw that because, you know, you, he's still illegal, but ugh, I was listening to some podcast. So I'm not going to know the quote, but like the person on trial was on trial, Charles, for molesting this man's daughter. And he like jumped over trying to get to this dude while he's, you know, shackled, trying to do his court thing. And the police officers, you know, it's illegal. So the police officers are holding this father down. And the whole time they were like. I'm so sorry. You know, the police officer's like, I'm so sorry. Because, you know, they're there. They know that that nigga want to kill him. Mm. But you, we in court. You can't be acting. Not in, what'd she say? Not in courtroom what? Not in courtroom 502. <gasps> no, no, no. What did that uh, judge say? She said, not today and not any other day. So when a judge found out that the defense and the prosecution were planning a deal during the trial and how neither of the victim's family knew about it, he was not happy. And when he heard, like, what the deal was, he was super unhappy and he was like mm-hmm. I'm changing this deal right here right now he was like that deal is a slap in the face to each one of her victims and their families it's not happening when the verdict came down Kiana's family is screaming and yelling I mean like they're just like my daughter they hired this lawyer they paid this money to get her off and it was just such a huge loss for them she was transferred to St. Gabriel's prison in Louisiana with Antoinette Frank. Uh, well, I guess this is before Antoinette, hey, huh? Frank. No, they were in there at the same time. She with was Antoinette up. Frank. <laughs> Still there. And so when Kiana first got to prison, it was really tough. She was getting in a fight. She wasn't very happy at all. She cut all her hair off. Now, Daddy says she got a face tattoo. I don't see no picture of her with the face tattoo. But she did find a way to charm the inmates, the officers. She got to know the system. She had a couple of girlfriends. She did her time. She listened to her music. She was chilling. She was popular. She was likable, you know? And she definitely adapted to the lifestyle. I mean, you have to, right? You got to be in the game and be knowledgeable of everything around you. I guess if you got 25 years. Yeah. So it's January 1st, 2013. And Kiana, oh, she had a New Year's resolution for you. She had been in prison for nine years at this point. And nine years out of this 25 sentence, sis has had enough. So what she does is she takes some sleeping pills and she drugs her roommates. Now she's got like three roommates. She's in a she's in a smaller woman's pod. There's like four women in a cell. She's got three roommates. Put it on that charm, slip something in a drink. They are knocked out. She puts a dummy in her bed, breaks the window, crawls herself outside of the prison, walks on this like catwalk and hops over the barbed wire, wire fence. She got a little you know, mangled. There was a little blood found, a little piece of her sweatshirt, but she made it over. The next morning at count when sis was not there, oh, you know, they shut that shit down. But she was already gone. (laughs) They had the bloodhounds come out. They followed her for for a little while, but they ain't get too far. She just hitched a ride with some people, with like four people, got in a car, And she escaped. So clearly the police could not believe it. 33-year-old Kiana Barnes, who was serving a 25-year sentence for two counts of manslaughter, who was accidentally released from jail at one point, has now escaped from prison. Good job. 
good pat on the back, everybody. So once again, everybody is on alert for Kiana. They're like, you know, she's a she is a a, a killer. She is going to be like out there in the streets. Everybody needs to watch their back. You don't know what she's going to do next. Her ex-husband, you know, he's like, you know, she's known to have weapons and she's known to, she shot at me. Y'all know she shot at me six times. Y'all better be on high alert. He's out there, you know, giving his spill and they're like, okay, is she going to go to Mexico again? Maybe we should check down there, get, you know, border patrol on. What is she going to do? What is she going to do? They're searching and they were searching and they were searching. So by March, it's like three months later and Yana's been added to the U.S. Marshals 15 most wanted fugitive list with a description of what she looks like right they're like she's a 33 year old African-American woman standing about five feet four weighs 140 pounds dark brown eyes very short hair letter K tattooed on her left hand dragon tattoo on the back she is the girl with the dragon tattoo two panthers on the chest and they're like we're gonna give you a thousand dollars that did not mention the tattoo exactly on her face. Exactly what I was going to say. If she had a tattoo. And that daddy, he literally said a thing. And I think she had a tattoo on her face. And I was ready to see it. And I was searching. And I ain't seen no tattoo. And then when I read this, I was like, she ain't got no damn tattoo on her face. So they had an, they started off with an award, you know, for $1,000 for any information. They upped it to $25,000. Like, we have got to find her. We're sick of her making a fool of us. I was looking at articles and I saw one that was like a thousand. I saw one that was twenty five hundred. Like if you look at the days, I saw it go up. Because when I started, and I, the first article I read when it said a thousand, I said I am not giving her away. If she has a knife to me, I'm not risking to give give her away for a thousand dollars. But then like slowly, they just kept adding to the fund. Well, because you know they was like most people. I think they said most people. First of all, most people are not escaping from prison. And if they do, they're not masking more than three to five days. And she's been out there three months, you know what I mean? So they're like, okay, this bitch is good. (laughs) We got to find her. So at the time they're looking for her, they're trying to figure out how she escaped. And they kind of discovered that there were two kind of suspicious guards and they needed to be dealt with. So one was officially fired and a second one resigned. Um, but neither one of them made a statement or released anything about it. I'm sure they didn't. Because I, too, am like, how the fuck did you get out of jail? They talking about she went over a catwalk and climbed a barbed wire and got caught in a wire because the blood was left on it. But did she care? No, she was free. And it was worth it. I, if, oh, I, I hope that there's somebody that has been to that prison and knows the tea. Tell me the tea. On March 25th, 2013, the LAPD officers were patrolling Skid Row, you know, easy, easy spot, easy target. And they see this group of homeless people and they're like, all right, everybody, let's see them IDs, right? Listen, if y'all don't know what Skid Row is, the Cecil Hotel is on Skid Row, the super haunted hotel. The Night Stalker, that's where he was staying mm-hmm. the whole time that he was murdering people. There's that girl that randomly went missing in there. There's a couple of people that have died there. Who else? Is that the hotel on Hotel on American Horror Story? Never watched American Horror Story. I've only watched like one episode. Also on Skid Row, like it has an extremely large homeless population and it is like the epicenter for... Um, meth and heroin addicts and those that have mental mental issues and um, addiction issues they usually are agglomerated at skid row 
So when they saw this group of folks, they were about to get them all for loitering because why are you standing here? It's illegal to stand. You guys already know that. And when they asked to see some ID, everybody else, all the other homeless people, they know how this shit go. They had an ID and she did not. And they asked her her name and she gave a false name. And when they ran the name, it came back fake, obviously. And they ran her prints and they were like, all right, let's wait for the results. And when they got the results, oh boy, I bet you know, they were excited to see that it was Kiana Barnes and she was crying in the police car. She was like, all right, you got me. Fine. I'm sure that was a hard three months, girl. Like, whew. Fine. A few weeks later, she waived extradition in the Los Angeles federal court and was escorted back to Louisiana by the correctional officers. And of course, they added more time onto her sentence. But how much time, you ask, you think it'd be a significant amount? Oh, no, they only added four more years onto her sentence um, for the escape. And she's scheduled to be released in 2027. She'll be done with her sentence right around the corner. She'll only be 47 years old. Um, all right, y'all. That's it. She's going to be out. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say. That today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need. Your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere where you're listening right now you can have your podcast there i promise for real and it's free and you can make some money off of your podcast for free free money free money is out there just go get it by starting your podcast today streaming october 6th on paramount plus first place i learned about death was a pet cemetery dead things buried in that land but come back there's something else something's wrong with timmy He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something is talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodline, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. Soon. All right, y'all. It's time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have gotten away with it. I feel like I'm not going to hold you like <laughs> you a slip. She's a slippery one. Like I probably she's a lucky one. She lucked up so many times. She did. Like, I don't know. Just all those times of being homeless and you have the option of going home. Like people don't, a lot of people don't have the option of going home. They don't have family that's going to welcome them with open arms. And maybe they weren't welcoming her with open arms and they just saw that she was in trouble and came in for help. But that's. But you know, a lot of people choose to be hopeless. I was watching a documentary on it. I was like, I just like it better. It's more freedom. I guess everything's a choice. I want to live in a van. That would be a choice. Mm-hmm. I guess that's technically a choice to be homeless. But okay, but she, I don't know. She just came from such a background that everything was lined up for her to be successful. Like his dad, PJ's dad was talking about like she was well-spoken. You could tell that she was intelligent. Like you can you can tell that she grew up with something. You know what I'm saying? Like she knew the streets well, but she you can tell mm-hmm. that she wasn't born and bred on the she streets. She Right, but where did it come from? Like, because you, your parents and like your friends, like it had to, was it something deeper or was it just you resisted that? 
Maybe that was that bad crowd she was hanging out with. Sometimes you just got to learn how to think. She just was a good thinker. That's how she got out of prison. They were like, I'm sure that she was escape. She was planning her escape from the moment she got in there. And I'm sure that she was. And if you can get yourself to think like them, move like him. I ain't do it. But if I did, I wouldn't have been using his cards in Mexico. You've made it to Mexico. Take the win. Start over. Yeah, I would have pulled out cash and just had cash in Mexico. You would have just pulled out all the cash in the beginning. And then hit the road, Jack. Cash is king. ATM's got limits. Or, or maybe when she was wiring it to herself, like, you need to wire it away from where you are. And you need to, like, wait until the very last day before the wire transfer is up. And then go get that shit. I ain't do it. But if I did... Definitely wouldn't have blew up my spot by killing PJ after I'm already trying to lay low from Jimmy. Like, and it really seems like they're, you know, like, at least people are like, even Jimmy's brothers are like, seems like they probably got into an it argument. It like PJ the first didn't do like, I mean, she was volatile, but like, what y'all got to argue over it's his house. You sleeping on the couch. Don't get no boundaries crossed. Well, in the Fatal Attraction episode that um, uh, the maintenance man said that he actually saw them on the balcony. And he was when he saw them on the balcony, he was like, they were fussing. And so, of course, he didn't know nothing until afterwards. But why? I, how are you going to fuss with somebody you staying with for free? But I think she had like uh, main character syndrome. Like it's giving narcissist it's giving Carrie Bradshaw it's giving I'm the star and why isn't why and everybody is just a day player it's giving if it's it's my way or the highway it's giving like all of that she just felt like she could just take a clean break and pop up and pop out and I think maybe her just being able to pop in and pop out as has been beneficial to her for a long time but you know that that doesn't work mm-hmm. that doesn't work in the long term the main character always gets taken down there's always a demise there's always a denouement you know yeah, I, don't know. She uh, just, I think she just kept pushing her luck until she ran out. But I mean, even still, did she run out? She'll be out at 47. See, I'm saying like she did these crimes so young and, you know, you got the maximum sentence. Granted, because she she got charged with manslaughter and not murder, but you got the maximum sentence for killing two people. You still going to be out before the age of 50. You would have been out before the age of 45 if you weren't so impatient. Parole or no parole? No parole. She showed you what she was, she was going to do. She got out. She got released. She got to walk out of jail. And that time of hiding out, she killed another person. For seemingly no reason whatsoever. You blew it. There is no way I would let her out in, in 2027. No way. Somebody said, don't talk to me. They read my reviews. This is so cute. One says that they can do without the singing. Then I guess you can do it without the show. It's just how my mind works. For some reason, it's not letting me see the entire episode the one that says i love it but i could really do without the singing girl you better get somewhere and sit down all right this review says awesome podcast one of the best true crime podcasts thank you no thank you all right this one is from butter (laughs) butter it says i I enjoy listening to your podcast. I'm sad. I'm all caught up. So sorry for you. 
<laughs> so sorry for you. See, it's just how my mind works. All right, y'all. That is actually the end of the show. If you want to keep up with Sisters Who Kill, you can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can join the discussion group if you answer all the questions on Facebook. You can tweet us at Sisters Who Kill. You find us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod and on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You got anything else? Yes. There will not be an episode next week nope. where I said she doesn't work on her birthday. Period. Don't forget to tell Mariah happy birthday. On point. But I forgot that was there happening. There will not be an episode next week. Yes. But yeah. besides that, talk to us, we talk back. Bye.